Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, I'm joined today by Ashley Jamison. Ashley is the Associate Director of Women's Groups for a ministry called Pure Desire. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us on All Things today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the mission statement of Pure Desires is this, to provide hope, freedom, and healing from sexual brokenness through Jesus Christ. So can you just start off this episode by telling us more about Pure Desired, what the ministry is all about, what the organization does, and also what you do specifically? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the ministry itself has been around for, I think, like 30 years. I'm not the expert on the history, um, but Dr. Ted and Diane founded it. Uh, they were pastors and just kept seeing more and more sexual brokenness and people needing help. And it grew into its own need to be a ministry. And um, we have about 19 clinicians. We do online counseling. Uh, we offer online groups for men and women, both men who struggle with porn, sexuality, um, those types of things, and men who have been betrayed by a spouse. And then we do the same on women's side. We have betrayal and beyond groups for our women who are spouses of men who struggle. And then we have our unraveled managing love, sex, and relationships for our women who struggle um, or need healing in their relationships um, or sexuality. Um, So we have those online groups. We have about 100 online groups going, 90 to 100. And then we are globally all over in churches. And so my job at Pure Desire is um, I speak at events and we train and we can do custom events or um, kind of our package events and just train churches. Um, And then I work with pastors, leaders, um, lay people, just people calling saying, I need to start something. I need to find a group. And so I either help them get a group or I help them start a group, um, train church leaders, how to run and operate these groups just a little bit of everything. Yeah. I've been here for seven years and I started working for pure desire out of our own need for it. Um, we, my husband had a past with pornography and prostitutes and I needed the betrayal and beyond. And there was nobody to lead it at my church. Nobody was Mm -hmm. talking about it. And I'm like, clearly I'm not the only woman out of these like thousands of people. Um, and so I started the groups at my church and then quickly realized I had a lot of unprocessed love and sex addiction, um, behaviors that I had not really thoroughly processed. And they were just showing up in other Christian ways, like having trust issues or hypervigilance. You know, I wasn't sleeping around or doing those kinds of things, but I was still struggling, um, because I hadn't got to the root cause. So, Mm. um, yeah, I have a, a deep love to help women and teens, um, I was a teen mom and now my boys are 19. My twins are 19 and this culture is crazy. So I just love to help people. Yeah. Okay. Your That answer opened up so many different avenues for us to talk about. Let's start with um, just the fact that, that your organization exists sort of says something about culture, but it also says something about the local church. Mm-hmm. Can you can we start there? Like, yes. why does the local church need help with this? Why does your ministry need to exist? So, uh, yes, that's such a good question. About seventy uh, percent of men in the church or outside of the church struggle with unwanted sexual behavior. It doesn't matter if they're churched or not. The numbers are the same. Sixty percent of pastors struggle or have, no. um, and thirty percent of pastors um, have had like a physical affair or that kind of, um, struggle. 
And so our church is needing help. The people leading our church needs help and there, there's nowhere for them to go. And so we even have a program called Peer Desire Leaders where we can partner with church supervisors. And if there's a pastor or a leader struggling, we can help them through our counseling program and our groups. And we stay in close contact with the pastor's supervisor um, to give progress and and try to try to heal our own people in the church mm-hmm. instead of just sending them out when there's a problem because um, that tends to be what we did in the past. And only 7% of churches have any kind of program, structured program available for um, helping people with unwanted sexual behaviors. So we have 70% yeah, of men it. struggling and only mm-hmm. 7% of churches doing something. And then even, even more so, those are usually for men. So yes. our women who are the fastest growing demographic of porn users right now um, are really struggling to find help and not have that extra shame that they're struggling with a man's problem. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I want to go there in just a second. But you've touched on something that I sort of suspected. You know, my um, husband is a pastor. We've been in ministry for over 20 years. The church that we planted is um, over five years old now. So I you know, being in amongst other church planters, amongst many people in ministry, amongst many people who are pastors and pastors' wives, I resonate with what you have said. And something I've sort of suspected is that the church doesn't do well addressing this because indeed our leaders suffer from it. And so mm-hmm. there's, I, I think maybe an avoidance, like, let me stick my head in the sand, or I'm struggling with this. If I'm not handling this well, how can I possibly be a leader for my people to be pursuing right. freedom in this area as well. I think there's just so much shame and we keep things in the dark and you've kind of given voice to, to what I feel like I've observed in the church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I feel like talking to leaders, it's there, there could be the reason that too many of the leaders are struggling and that's why nobody's stepping out to do something. It feels overwhelming because we mm. don't have the right equipment because you know, praying the armor of God and confessing our sins to one another hasn't been working. And so how are we going to start talking about this with our congregation if we don't have a resource? And so that's what makes Pure Desire unique is that we take clinical um, data and we overlay it over biblical foundation. And so we do take both those pieces Mm -hmm. and we teach people what's happening in their brains and in their bodies. And we also show them how God already explained that in scripture. We're just giving them more of a visual of what it's actually doing in their mind and body to help them come out of those ruts. Um, and then the other thing I, I think I see is that we're afraid if we talk about it, then it will create curiosity or Mm -hmm. create, um, suspicion in wives. And we don't want to stir people up. And that's, that, that doesn't work either. We have to talk about it. That is so helpful. And I think on point, the fact that you, you said you, you combine both a clinical approach and a biblical perspective. And I think that's so helpful because oftentimes organizations, you know, pursue one or the other, Mm -hmm. but we are embodied souls. We're people with bodies and souls and hearts and minds. And we need to be, um, we need to be addressing all of the above when it comes to this and, and everything. Okay. Well, when you answered that first question about the ministry and what you do and why you're involved, you were right off the bat, really authentic and transparent and open, which I think is rare (laughs) also in the church, right? We're like, well, we don't want to share too much. Um, It feels scary to sort of openly talk about our past or current struggles. Um, But I noticed, Ashley, you went right there. So 
would you be willing to just share a little bit more of your story? Because one, I think it's so refreshing and helpful because we all have a story to share and you are um, like discipling us and demonstrating for us what it looks like to be honest. Um, But also just the reality of these struggles being sort of commonplace, like some, something that many of us are dealing with. So if you're willing, could you just share a little bit more of your story and history? Um, Cause I think it would help people just to hear from you. Yeah. And, um, and I agree. I oversee and train hundreds of leaders and I work with group members and we walk around the church thinking other people have it more together than us. And we're afraid. And it is so not the case. We all have such different stories and a lot of them are messy. Um, we just live in a broken world. And so I try to, when I'm working with women or even a wife that calls me or a leader, I just try to be authentic because I know how it felt to be the one to say, I need help and feeling that fear of speaking out. Um, and so I, I recognized in my upbringing, um, growing up in an area that was very racist. And then my, my mom was, nobody was home. I kind of raised myself, you know, Mm. my dad was out of the picture and I kind of raised myself. And so at an early age, I began struggling with sexual curiosity, um, masturbation, um, seeking love in all the wrong places, whether Mm. it was trying to be like the little blonde girls on the, the playground or whatever. And so when I ended up getting, um, I ended up getting raped at 15, I was Mm. a virgin and I had this collision of, um, I just, this collision of experiences. One was now all the things I learned in church, I'm not going to be able to offer my husband. So I'm now a lower level option as a wife because I'm damaged goods. The other side of me said, somebody actually likes me because little boys in my school didn't like me because my skin was darker. And so I felt wanted and pursued and coming from a house where we didn't get, I love yous or hugs or kisses. It felt kind of nice to be wanted, even though it was taken from me. Mm. Um, and so that really led me on this, um, conflicting journey of trying to stay in church and, and lead Awana and be like my peers. Um, but then when I would hear messages about sex in youth group, I would be terrified that if my church found out that I had already had sex multiple times at that point, um, that, that I would be embarrassed and they would kick me out. And I just was scared. So I went back to the world because I thought at least these friends over here that I am not doing healthy things with, they know who I am and there's no secrets about who I am. The church, I felt like I had to be a different person. And so I decided to leave the church and go back into the world. And then Mm -hmm. I ended up getting pregnant my senior year of high school, um, with my twins. And I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to raise these babies in church. And so I got back in church. Um, even when I was pregnant, I knew they could hear. So I stopped cussing and I went back to church, um, because I wanted them like to, to be raised that way. Um, but it was embarrassing and I was by myself and, um, I ended up marrying their dad because I thought that's what was right to do. I kept hearing you shouldn't have babies out of wedlock. You need to get married. And it was a very toxic relationship. Um, we have a decent relationship now, but that's 19 years later. Um, Mm -hmm. it was very toxic relationship. And when it became unsafe for me to stay in that relationship, I left. So now I'm a divorced mom with these babies. And I just keep feeling like I got, I can't like figure out what to do. I'm I'm trying to take the advice of people. Um, but the church was so black and white. There was nobody to walk with me in the gray, in the messy, Hmm. in the you're 16 years old and you've made some sexual mistakes, but that doesn't disqualify you. That's 
the opposite of the message I've heard, I heard when I was growing up. And so, um, I ended up marrying, meeting and marrying my current husband. We've been married 13 years now. Um, and I thought this is my second chance. We both have a messy past. This is my second chance to be married again and do it right. We had two more kids and four years into our marriage, I found out the whole, like all the boogeyman skeletons came out of the closet and I found out about his pornography addiction and his past with prostitutes. And I was just devastated. Mm. Um, and some drug use some minor like drug use. And I just was like, who did I marry? And, and because my life had been so riddled with, um, mistrust and, and unhealthy sexual experiences, I just felt like this whole world is not safe. Um, but what that did for me is it made me feel like I was completely alone in the world and it made me cling to God. And I read my whole Bible and wow. listened to sermons, canceled all my social media, stopped drinking wine. I just did everything I possibly could Christian wise to feel better. And I wasn't healing. I was so mm-hmm. depressed. I was paralyzed. I was, uh, lashing out on my kids, like in my head all day and then lashing out. And so my anger was out of control. Um, and that's when I just started praying that God would bring me people and resources to help me because the Christian things weren't working. The advice from my mentors and church wasn't working. They were saying, are you sure you're trusting him? Have you, Hmm. have you let go of the unforgiveness? You got to move on. This happens. And I just couldn't get past the betrayal. Like trauma is what I was experiencing at that point. Um, and then when we moved to our new city and the first day we went to church, they announced they were starting a pure desire groups for the first time um, for men. And I made my husband go to that. And I have no shame in saying you are going, I forced my husband to go to that. Um, and it was, and then I realized I needed help. And so that kind of just started this spiral of, I feel like complete change in my family, just generational mm-hmm. traumas, you know, stopping with us because we, we were able to learn these patterns and have a healthier Christian perspective on living in a messy world with mistakes and living with people that are going to hurt you. So here I am. And that's why I have such a passion for so many different sides of it. Cause I'm like, I have been the addict. I have been the betrayed. I was the teen mom. I've been sexually abused. And I just feel like we need to talk about this. We talk about everything in church, but not this. Yeah. Well, and even to your point that you've been on all sides, I mean, is that is the case really, I think for most of us yeah. is we've been on all sides of yeah. whatever sin or addiction that we're talking about or behavior, we've been on all sides of it. And that is the reality of our fallen world and our fallen nature. And so we do need a holistic approach when we seek mm-hmm. out healing. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord took you to a church that was starting a pure desire group for men and that you had the boldness yeah. and willingness to say, the women need this too. Um, And I think that is absolutely true. I was just talking with another friend, a woman in ministry this morning, and we were chatting together about how there are a variety of options and resources for men, but oftentimes for women, it's very hush-hush. And there seems to be even, I think, more shame and greater barriers for women to get help if they have a sexual addiction or an addiction Mm -hmm. to pornography or something along those lines. So um, talk to me about that. Um, I think, you know, I'm thinking about it specifically in terms of pornography. I think because I have teen daughters, so I'm very um, aware of social media or what's on their phones, stuff like that. But we can take that in any direction. It doesn't just have to be pornography. Is this an issue that's increasingly um, ensnaring or difficult for women? Like, is, is that on the rise for women and girls or what's going on there? 
Yes. Yes. I mean, pornography is no longer just targeted toward men. Um, the companies that produce pornography know exactly what they're doing. Um, it is not, it is, it is not just a man's issue anymore. Our young women are watching porn and what I find, I mean, it's in our pockets now. We don't have to go to a store. We don't have to find a magazine that's, you know, for a men's club or whatever. I don't even know all the ways people used to find it because it's been in my pocket for most of my life, but, um, it's so easy to find. And now it's, it's, you have to be so intentional to not find it. I mean, you can turn on a computer and something pops up and now my 10 year old. And so we really need to have conversations with our kids about when they're going to see porn. It is not a, it is not a matter of if it doesn't matter if they're homeschooled. It doesn't matter if you lock down every device in your um, home. I mean, do those things. Those are like good things to do, but they will see porn. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, what is happening is what, what I see with some young women that I've teenagers and um, young twenties in my groups, a lot of them are coming into groups thinking that they are same sex attracted um, because they're aroused by the porn that has women on it. And, and that's very confusing because it's not what we're supposed to be watching. Um, it's not how we're supposed to be acting out and living out our sexuality. And so when we see women and we're aroused, we're thinking, why am I attracted to women? I think I like women. Um, and, and it's this false, um, it's this false connection. And so what's happening is, you know, with my husband leaving the home at 18 and losing his virginity to a prostitute and having that be part of his life for several years. And then the porn on top of it, young women and young men are not knowing how to connect emotionally intimate with each other. And so they have this false idea that whatever they're seeing on porn is what they actually are attracted to because they, because their brain keeps bonding to that through orgasm, not I don't know if I can say orgasm on your podcast, but you can definitely say it. I say all things. Okay. You say all (laughs) things, but their brain is bonding to things that they orgasm with. And if you're not doing that with your spouse, who it was intended for, it was intended to be a bonding experience. Then this becomes whatever's over here starts feeling uncomfortable because it's not what you're bonded to and you're, Mm. it's not what you're used to. And so we're seeing more young men with erectile dysfunction, um, rape porn, is becoming yeah. one of the number one searches for porn. And so it's teaching our, it's teaching our girls and our boys that this is what women like and that this yeah. is how women should act. And so even when I reflect on my childhood rape at 15, I didn't have the sense of identity that I do now to say, this is not how women are supposed to be treated. Um, I just assumed men were kind of men and, and you, if you don't act like you like things as a girl, then boys aren't going to like you. Um, and that is such a terrible message, but that's what our kids are getting through watching porn. They're learning that. Man, it is such a tangled and messy ball of wax. I mean, there are just so many things that impact the one impacts the other and it's a domino effect and a cycle. And, um, it can feel overwhelming. Okay. What, tell me this. I, as a mom of daughters, I want to equip my girls. I want them to be ready for when they see porn and I want them to be vigilant, you know, and I want to paint a picture of like, this is fire. Don't touch fire. Don't play with fire. Mm-hmm. At the same time, chances are high because they're humans in a fallen world. They're going to touch fire. Yeah. And I want to communicate equal parts like, Caution, be careful, but also 
when this happens, please tell me, you know, like this is not unforgivable. This is not unsurmountable. We're going to make it through this. We will get beyond it. So (laughs) can you talk to me as a mom? How do I talk to my kids in a way that communicates both of those things at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Um, so with your girls, the ages they are, I, I'm going to just spit off a few ideas because maybe your listeners that have teens, they can just pick one. Um, these are the things I've done with my children and my twins. I know one absolutely has never touched fire. The other one might've touched fire a few times. And so our Mm -hmm. conversations are the same. Um, and I try to balance that those two things you were talking about as well. One resource I love for young people and old people is fight the new drugs, three-part series. Um, and so I did like small groups, I found that my kids were more comfortable talking about sex if I let them have their friends over. And I did like a pizza night and soda. Um, and so I would show those series and we'd have quiz questions and that kind of thing at the end. And if it was just me and my boys sitting down, they'd be like, mom, I don't want to do this. But if I'm like, hey, everybody, you know, like their friends think I'm cool, just have good snacks and good food. And I had a couch full of seniors at the second time. And the first time it was, they were 16. The second time they were seniors. And I had this couch full of 18 year olds, um, boys and girls. And we were watching this and talking about it. Um, so I love their resource. And then, um, another way that you can show, you can walk with your daughter and show them health or son, um, is to get a resource. And so we have a few at our, um, ministry and we're working on a newer one, but, um, get a resource for instance, like we have behind the mask for teenage girls and you buy a copy for yourself as the mom and you get your daughter a copy. And and if you have another resource you like, you can do that. You can use the same model. Um, just make sure it's balanced with that scripture and clinical data. Um, cause that kids these days, they want the data. They want everything's recorded. Everything needs to be proven. And so they like that data. Um, Mm. And so when we can show them, this is what God meant when he says, you can renew your mind. And, and here's a brain scan of somebody that looks at porn and there's literally divots and holes in their brain. And, but then if they do the work to get healthy, you can rescan that brain and it's filled back out. So when God says we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that's a little literal physical thing that can happen to your brain. Teenagers like that kind of proof, you know, from their parents, uh, but get the resource go through the questions yourself and answer them according to when you were your child's age. So if I'm going through with a 15 year old, I'm going to be real with my answers according to the struggles I had, the pressures I had, the mistakes I made, the conflict between wanting to follow Jesus and not be rejected by boys. And then you share your answers first and then your daughter shares her answers and make it outside of the home, make it nice, go to coffee. I don't know. Um, But that is a really good way to, train them to not have secrets and feel comfortable talking to you. And most parents though, if they haven't dealt with their own stuff and gone through a group themselves or gone through the work themselves, that can be really scary and intimidating to them because their story is still holding shame. And so if your story is still holding shame, that is absolutely your first place to start is go through a group yourself to work through some of your past struggles or, or current Um, so that then you can parent in just an organic way where your story doesn't hold shame. Mm, That's good. That leads me actually to my next question. How do you know if you're somebody who needs to get help? Like where, how do you, how do you know? Like I, I need to probably reach out or, um, you know, culture tells me this is normal. Maybe this is normal, but I feel like maybe it's not normal. I don't know. How does somebody know? And then what do they do? Okay. So here's a couple of questions to ask yourself. 
Do you have areas of your life or story that you never told anybody about? There should, in all areas of your life, in all things, right? Can we use that? Yes. In all things, um, you should have one or two close people, including your spouse, if you're married, that know those things. And if there's parts of you that you know, you're like, I know exactly which place that is, and I'm not ever telling my spouse, I'm not ever telling my best friend, I'm not ever telling my spiritual mentor, or whoever it is that walks through life with you. So if you have areas like that, that's a really good indicator that that there's still shame there because shame goes with secrets. And so if we still have mm-hmm. secrets, there's going to be shame. And, um, and so that's a good indicator. Um, if you, if you're somebody who has failed relationship after failed relationship, that's a good indicator. If you're doing something where you have to clean up or hide evidence, erase your browser, um, you're keeping a secret, you close out of your chat on Facebook messenger really fast when your spouse walks in. Um, so if it's something you're keeping secret, if it's something that's hurting you or hurting others, so maybe you're doing something and your spouse or your kids are saying, this is hurting me every time you do it, or your spouse is saying, this makes me feel insecure, then that's, that's an area you need to get help because we shouldn't be doing things that are hurting our spouse. Um, and then if it's something that you said you are not going to do anymore and you find yourself going back to it. So mm-hmm. those are some of the questions that you can ask yourself Um, and if you answered yes to any of those, then I would definitely pursue going through a group for yourself. Yeah, that is good advice. Okay. So looking at this from a church perspective, how can we move the ball down the field in our churches? How can we make our churches places of more warmth and acceptance and hospitality when it comes to this? How can we be a people, um, that can speak more openly? What are some action steps we can take in the church to do this better? Yeah. I wholeheartedly believe people need to see other people doing this in order to feel comfortable talking about it. And so if we never hear from the main stage or our small groups or wherever, anything about sexuality, we can't expect the people in our churches who are struggling, remember how many of those there are, um, to, to step out and ask for help. If they're never hearing it because they feel alone, they feel like it's the thing we don't talk about in church. Um, and so include sexual health sermons into your rotation. Um, have outside speakers, have guest speakers come and just say, this is a topic we need to talk about. This is why we're bringing it to the church. This is why it's relevant and have outside speakers. Like, you know, people hire us to come speak at churches all the time. Um, if the, if they're not feeling equipped to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing would be if you're a listener and you're, um, you're the person who feels fired up about doing this. Like I was, I was not healthy when I started in my church, but I just knew we needed it. Um, and so we have resources on our website, um, the pure desire group pathway. We're all on one page. We have a video, a little introductory or, a a video they can show their pastor. We even have an email template that they can change the wording a little bit and add their name just to say, if they want to try to get their pastor or ministry leaders on board, um, And we have a group leader training course that people can go through that really will equip people to just take these books. All of our resources are packaged in a workbook and a journal. And so if you have the training from the website and you take the books, you can really lead a group. And that's what I do all day long. So any new person wanting to lead, I would meet with them through a Zoom or a phone call, just walk them through what it looks like. So, um, it ideally would be great to see it come from the top down. But a lot of times what we do see is that it comes from the person who either needs it or has been healed by it and wants to share it with their church. And so they're working upstream to get this going in their church. And so it depends which, um, 
it depends which approach your church has. Is it, is it the leadership looking for something or is it um, a church member? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, and one thing I keep hearing you say um, that has kind of come up in every answer is bring things that are secret into the light. Yes. And whether that's as an individual or a family or a church or a leader, things fester in the dark and they have power there and they grow there. But when we bring them into the light, there's hope. Can you, I, I want to give you one chance to say anything that we haven't covered that feels important, but I also want to end on a, on a hopeful note. So um, can you do that? Cover some, anything that you didn't think we covered yet, but also leave us with hope. Why, why should we have hope? Why should the listener who maybe has an addiction or has been betrayed or feels heaviness and a burden in this area, why should he or she have hope looking forward? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It, um, just being there as a woman myself, um, as a betrayed spouse and a struggler, you can get to the point where you feel like nothing's ever going to change. I'm never going to love my spouse again. I'm never going to quit messing up. You can get to that place. That's so hopeless. I've been there. Like I'm tearing up because I know how that feels. And so if I gave one, um, just piece of advice is that my own experience Um, being a betrayed, having betrayal trauma that I never thought I would heal from and being an addict that I never thought I would recover from. Um, I never thought that it was possible to live a life where I wasn't feeling like I was white knuckling it with my sexual addictions or my love addictions. I never thought I would live a life where I'm more in love with my husband today than I was before, even though we've gone through all of this stuff, this hard stuff, it works out the junk and it rises it to the top so you can slough away the dross and you can have this really pure, what's truly meant to be pure, not just because of our right and wrongs, but this authentic relationship with your spouse where you get to live holy. And as a ministry disciple, um, or witness, it does, it's, it does amazing things for your ministry because you're not living with the shame. Just like this podcast, I can come on and you said, oh, you kind of just jumped right in. Well, that's because God has worked through my story and he's, he's made it known who I am. And so I have, you know, Revelation 12, 11, that I overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony that I have Jesus. And I use what God has done through me because I don't need to go off to a far distant school to be trained in order to share the gospel. I need to share with people what God has done in my life as God brings them into my life. Um, And so that's my approach is that wherever you're at, there is a starting place and there is hope. We've seen it thousands of times at Pure Desire that people are saying, I never thought my life could be like this after A, B, or C. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is very possible. Wow. I feel tremendous hope after hearing that. (laughs) I love what you said. You have the blood of the lamb and you have the word of your testimony and you are stewarding the story that God has written in you and you're not keeping it in the dark, but you're sharing it in the light and you've obviously experienced tremendous hope and seen so many others. So that is so encouraging. Um, Anything further, Ashley? And also where can people follow up with you or see the ministry that you have, the work, where where should they go? So um, they should go to puredesire.org. And, um, my email address is just Ashley J at puredesire.org and they can contact me directly. Cause that's what I do is I help people get started and figure out what their next step is or their first step as a leader. Um, so whether you're just an individual woman, an individual betrayed spouse, a church leader, um, anybody can call me and I'll point them in the right direction. 
Amazing. Wow. Ashley, thank you for sharing your story, your heart, the hope of our Lord and your time today. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you everybody for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.